Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, me, you idiot. Welcome everybody to the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. This is episode number 185, but more importantly... It is Oscar season. It is my very favorite time of the year. Uh, Christmas was a few months ago, and at this point, uh, I couldn't give less of a shit about Christmas. But when it comes to the Academy Awards, when it comes to Oscar season, that truly is my Christmas. And right now, we are we are in uh, we. This is this is Oscar week. It's kind of like Super Bowl week, I imagine. Except I also don't care about the Super Bowl, so. So we're, we're going into the Oscars, and, and at this point, for the last several years, if you're a fan of this show, you know that when I talk about the Academy Awards, I have to talk about the Academy Awards with not only my very favorite Canadian, and, and just because it's one of five Canadians, it doesn't make it any less of a special honor. Not only is this my very favorite Canadian, but uh, as of a couple of months ago, this is this is also now officially... I'm saying this like uh, like she doesn't have a gender. Uh, this is now officially. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am a cis female, so you can't say she. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, one of two or possibly three. I don't actually have a list at this point. But she is definitely an occasional co-host of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. Of course, I'm talking about Liz Hersey. Liz, how you doing? I am just peachy keen dandy, Martin. How are you? I'm doing great. This is uh, this is the first time we've talked, and honestly, well, this is the first time we've talked in each other's ears for uh, since we did a uh, since we wrapped Stranger Earth things. Stranger Earth things. We wrapped that up, and I think that was such a that was such a since such a such a marathon of an undertaking. Uh, I, I think we both decided to just kind of unofficially take a break. It felt like, which is fine. You know, we we did a lot of good uh, recording with Stranger Earth things. Yeah, honestly, I have to say I loved doing Stranger Earth things. I love coming on the show every time I can. I love coming all over the show. Mm-hmm. Anything with come and your show, of I'm course. there. But my favorite podcast every year is our Oscars podcast because, like you, it is my Christmas. Like you, I also do not give a shit about the Super Bowl. And when you said you didn't give a shit about the Super Bowl, I kind of got a little moist between the thighs Perfect. because fuck football. Um, and I'm just I'm so excited to talk about these movies, to fangirl some of these movies, to roast a couple of them. And I'm just I'm reared up. I'm so excited. I can't believe it's just under a week. And that's why I wanted to um to record kind of closer to. Uh, to the Oscars it's just because like the hype is just it's so palpable for me right there's when the nominees come out and um and I'm all excited and then like there's a significant amount of time between the nomination announcements and the Oscars mm-hmm. and we have some filler shows like the Golden Globes and the SAGs and stuff but I'm like I'm really getting jacked up like every hour for the Oscars much like a little kid on Christmas, <laughs> and so I can't wait. I'm just so excited. Yeah, I, for, for me, it's a whole it's a whole event. So 
Uh, so in terms of watching the movies, I've talked about this for you know, Chanel, you know, about the only time Chanel does the show anymore, if and when she does, is generally, you know, you know when we talk about the, the Academy Awards. And, uh, and so, Liz, as you very well know, for the last uh, four, five, six, some odd years, something like that, the way that Chanel and I consume the, uh, the best pictures as we go to the, uh, the AMC Theater's Best Picture Showcase, which is this very fun two-day marathon where two Saturdays in a row... They show uh, all the all, all the all the Academy Award nominated movies for specifically for Best Picture. So they they don't always line up with say uh, maybe there's like a Best Actor or Actress, but if they're not in a Best Picture, then uh, then I won't necessarily see it that way. But you know we we do get to see all the Best Pictures, which by and large does end up sort of uh, representing you know a lot of a lot of the nominations throughout the award so it, it, it's it's and it's also just it's also fun so last saturday this is oscar week again if we if we didn't already mention that so last saturday uh chanel and i we went to day one so we watched uh, the uh, the first four movies i say first four there's no particular order how about this we've seen four in no particular order and then this coming saturday right now is uh, as you and i are, are chit-chatting it's uh what's today thursday march 1st so uh, this coming Saturday, which is, uh, what is it, the 3rd, 2nd, 3rd, March 3rd, it'll be day two of the showcase, and we'll watch the final five movies. And then Sunday morning, because Chanel and I, we don't, we don't have cable, which is a, a bit of a, a, bit of a, a hindrance when you want to watch the Academy Awards. So Sunday, That's like literally the only reason why we have cable. <laughs> Last year, we literally got cable just for the Academy Awards, and we, can- <laughs> we canceled it like a week later. Uh, and so, uh, so Sunday morning, uh, Chanel and I are going to get up bright and early. We're going to get in the car. We're going to take a road trip. We're going to drive to California to my parents' house. That is dedication. It really, well, you know, they've got cable. You got to go to where the cable <laughs> is. So <laughs> <laughs> gonna drive to California uh and, and so so it's twofold part of it is they have cable and we do not have cable but also uh my parents you know they they love the Academy Awards as much as we do and a few years ago um you know I got them into into the showcase and so now they get really excited about the showcase and in fact last Saturday they they were they were out here for the weekend anyway uh partly for the showcase so they watch day one of the show- showcase with us day two they'll watch in in california so it'll be a nice it really is like christmas like i i don't i i think i literally didn't see any of my family on christmas but on on academy awards day i'm gonna go to my parents house uh greg is gonna come over my parents are gonna be there Ugh. it'll be a whole n- i know greg i'm sorry i shouldn't i shouldn't <laughs> mention that no i he likes he likes like all my pictures on instagram so i'm coming around <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the key to like kind of wooing me is just attention and flattery. So <laughs> he's doing well. He's doing well. Okay, I, I I'll try not to say anything to him just so just so I don't I don't jinx his his progress into making you uh you know hate him less. Yeah. So uh so yeah so that's gonna be Sunday and then uh and then uh, Monday morning we we'll, uh, we'll we'll come back to to Las Vegas and then and then we'll basically sit on the couch. And stare at the wall, waiting until the Academy Awards for 2019. <laughs> Can I tell you what I'm doing for the Oscars while we're just talking about it? Absolutely. Normally, Matt and I, Matt's a big Oscar junkie too. And we have friends, like we alternate every other year who hosts. And we have these little parties and stuff. Matt is taking his kids away for March break. And so I'm going to uh, a girlfriend's um 
we were going to watch the Oscars together, but her family is like super into the Oscars. And so she just said, like, apparently they all want to watch it together this year. So I'm just, I'm going to my girlfriend's parents' house who I, I've never met any of them. And we're just going to like party and watch the Oscars together. See, that sound, that sounds like a great time to me. Honestly, you could, I, okay. So here's the thing. I, I I'm not generally speaking i like people just fine if i can avoid if i can avoid a crowd i'm happy to avoid a crowd uh if i if i can get a, if i can get away with not showing up to a party I, I would i would just as soon find a way to finagle my way outside of going to a party but uh if if you want me to get if if you want to get me to do anything just just couch it in the academy awards and i'm and yeah. I'm, I'm goddamn there so you're like and it, yeah go to this go to a really a party like it's like their family and me. Yeah, even that. <laughs> it's like, hey, Martin, do you want to go to somebody's house with uh, several people, uh, most of whom are related, and you've never met any of them? And I'd be like, ah, I, nah, you know what? I'm gonna pass. And they're like, we're gonna watch the Academy Awards, and I'm like, can I bring anything? <laughs> oh shit! That means I have to. I do need to text her and ask about that because, yeah. Well, I, I have a shitload of wine, so it's fine. But anyway, that's so Canadian. And in, in my mind, that's a yeah, Canadian. They're, they're both polite and manly, so they uh, they can. Uh, and and, that, and that's you too. You are you you might be the manliest Canadian I know, uh, right next to you know my Canadian producer. But uh, but it, it's a it's neck and neck with uh with your combined you know, manliness and masculinity and Canadianness. I shave my legs every fucking day, Martin. Every day. <laughs> Uh, well, you've got me beat on that one. I'll Obsessively. That. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, before okay. So as far as the uh, as far as the format of this episode, because we we more or less do the same thing uh, every year, but it, it it doesn't hurt to sort of set the table to give uh, give the listeners uh, some some expectations of, of what they're going to get out of this episode. Uh, we are going to focus primarily on the nine best picture nominees, and we'll give each movie. Uh, a fair amount of time and then uh then following that um you know time permitting because you know uh time is different in canada than it is in las vegas so time permitting i don't even know if that's true i'm just saying shit off the top of my head but time permitting. you're in las vegas and i'm like in the middle of nowhere so i've got time Uh, we'll, we'll do a, a lightning round to at the very least acknowledge the uh the actor nominees and uh and yeah, but we're, we're writers, so we have to at least spend a minute acknowledging the the screenwriting uh, nominees, and uh, and and then that's and then we'll probably wrap up from there, and then and then it's just about being uh, goddamn excited for the Academy Awards this Sunday. It's March fourth, right? Do I have the date right for the Academy? You Awards? are correct, sir. March fourth, twenty eighteen, hosted by by Jimmy Kimmel. I'm excited about the whole the whole prospect. Now, you and I both share this as much as we love movies and i think that's a lot of where our love of the academy awards is born is in our in our love for for movies but you and i are also very big fans of just the 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 pageantry the shameless uh pageantry of, of the academy awards which objectively if anybody wanted to look at this and say you know, this is not important why would anybody waste their time doing this there's so many more important causes and issues and and things. i bet every one of those people watches the fucking super bowl so they can put a sock in it this is awesome <laughs> shut up and the red car the red carpet is when the oscar starts i'm sorry it is oh absolutely yeah as far yeah, as i'm thank concerned you. thank you the academy awards is a seven-hour program 
<laughs> and you know what? Every year I wish it was longer. But, Me too. Yeah. Why do they rush people, right? Like if people are locked, like people are locked in. They're going to watch. Oh, absolutely. They're going to watch. Like anytime I hear anybody saying like, ah, I love it, but you know, three hours, four hours. And I'm like, I know, don't you wish it was longer? Like when it's over, I'm, I'm just like, oh man, I can't believe it's over. So, so, you know, like objectively, it, I mean, whatever it's, it's, you, you could, it's as somebody could reasonably make the argument that it's uh that it's uh, frivolous and silly and, you know, they wouldn't be wrong and I'd have nothing to, to argue with them about except that uh, that I fucking love it, and I and I and I don't apologize for that. Now, now, so so for you going into going into the award seasons, uh, it almost goes without saying, except you know we'll say it out loud. This is going to be a, a very, it's going to be an interesting ceremony because Hollywood has been uh, it's it's had at, at the very least at the very least there's very there's there's certainly been a, a paradigm shift to say the least uh you know very much uh very much uh influenced by by the by the me too movement and and everything that that sort of uh, permeates out of that and i have no idea kind of what to expect from the awards but i I think anybody who is even slightly tapped into popular culture would have to imagine that because movies are they're they're kind of at the center of the of the me too movement so the academy awards in some form or fashion, will will definitely um, definitely be uh, engaging with the Me Too movement. So, uh, especially not only because, but at the very least, uh, the fact that you're uh, that you're a gal, so you have a particular your point of vagina. view. Vagina. Yeah. You, okay. See, I was trying to. <laughs> I was seeing if I could avoid a uh, vagina, but like, yeah, there it is. You have a vagina. I don't have a vagina. Parentheses anymore. Close parentheses. <laughs> So, so while we both have our perspectives, yours is much more relevant. So I would love to kind of get your, your overall thoughts on sort of the Me Too movement and how you sort of imagine it's going to integrate with this year's ceremony. Yeah, well, I think that all this progression that Hollywood has had with the Me Too movement and the Time's Up Foundation and all that stuff, I think is friggin' wonderful and amazing and necessary. And I know that for me as a screenwriter who's aspiring to break into the industry, like the limited amount of events I've gone to and experience I've had, I've faced sexism and misogyny and creepy people. So I'm so happy that these people are like getting cleansed the fuck out of Hollywood. And I'm just very happy about that. And I think that because it is a Hollywood led movement, it has to be discussed at the Oscars. But at the same time, like you said, I want the froth. I want the fun. I, I don't tune into these things because I want to watch a political rally. I like I just I just want a silly night with pretty dresses and glamour, and that that's what I want. And so I remember prior to the Me Too movement, there was all the shit with your lovely president last year, and the year before that, it was the second year of Oscars So White. Mm -hmm. And I remember that ceremony that Chris Rock hosted and literally all the jokes were about the Oscars So White. And yes, it needs to be mentioned, but that was all the jokes. None of the movies got joked about. And I have thoughts on this year's crop of movies and I want them to be joked about. Sally Hawkins fucks a fish. I want jokes about that. (laughs) So I really think that the Oscars should kind of take a page out of the Golden Globes 
playbook. Did you watch the Globes this year, Martin? Uh, I would have watched the Golden Globes if I oh, had but you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> didn't drive to Cali for that one. Um, well, I up. thought Seth Meyers did a fantastic job hosting. And he was, I, I feel like he made really poignant but hilarious jokes uh, about the Me Too movement while still kind of celebrating and honoring it. And I think that I have a lot of faith in Jimmy Kimmel to sort of toe that line really well. I think he did a great job hosting mm-hmm. last year. Um, so I, I do have faith in Jimmy Kimmel. I'm a little bit worried about some of the winners because when people win their awards, like gone are the days of like, I'm so great and these are the people I have to thank. Everyone has to make their own little <laughs> fucking statements. And I'm like, let me tell you, right now when i win my first award i am it is going to be just the liz show it's the, there's no me too it's me myself and i and no two and and so i just i don't want yeah i don't want a political rally i think that at the golden globes when natalie portman famously introduced the nominees for best director she said and here are the all male nominees that was perfect. Yeah. It was just, it was like a little sniper and people are still talking about it. And that to me was so, had so much more gravitas than some deluge of verbiage from someone accepting an award. Like think Natalie Portman and less like Michael Moore bowling for Columbine <laughs> when you win your awards. And that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Yeah, that's I, it. I'm with you on that. It's, it's, uh, here, here's where we align completely. Uh, if and when I, I win a major award with television cameras and I have an opportunity to accept that award, uh, it's it is gonna it, it will be like the 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 least political acceptance speech uh, in the history of, of I don't even know. I, I don't even know if I'll, I'll, I probably won't thank anybody. I might thank my mom because, you know, <laughs> but but outside. <laughs> Uh, like, you know, Oh, my narcissist heart just loves you so much more. <laughs> like nothing, the, the, no, nothing brings the ceremony to a, nothing springs, brings a speech to a, a halt faster for me than when somebody starts, you know, thanking all of their representation, their agent, their managers, their lawyers, which on the one hand, I'm sure I, I don't doubt at all that these people are very special and absolutely instrumental. And, and you, very much wouldn't have a career without them. And so, you know, you want to pay them a certain amount of due. I totally get that. But then by the same token, you know, I, w- I want you to turn on the entertainer side of your brain and realize, you know, there's cameras, there's a microphone, everybody's dressed up. There's this regular people at home who don't give a shit about agents and managers and lawyers. They just want to see uh, pretty people say funny, interesting things and, and win awards and sort of be sort of interesting and humble and, and, and gracious. And and so 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 when I win an award, and 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 really my mom getting a thank you, it's kind of at fifty percent. If anyone gets a thank you, it's my mom. Uh, like I like so if, several years ago, uh, because I can't remember anybody's name, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to help me out. I I, I he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Uh, he made a uh, Ocean's Eleven. That's that's sort of his big commercial. Steven Soderbergh. Steven Soderbergh. A couple years ago, when he won, uh, I believe it was best. If it wasn't best director, his best writer, best something for the movie Traffic. And he gave a really. That was like a speech. million years ago. It was, but see, and here's the thing: I still remember his speech because there was nothing political about his speech. He didn't. In fact, he started by saying, you know, essentially, I'll paraphrase acknowledging there's a lot of people who who he owes a thank you to 
and he's going to talk to them in person over the next several weeks and months and make sure he says thank you and know how much they appreciate him. And then from there, he just took a, a couple of minutes just to talk about, you know, give his point of view about uh, how important he feels movies are and the arts are and how they affect and inspire people and that, uh, and that, you know, and that, and that's why, and I was like, that's, that's exactly, that's all I want to hear. I, I, that, I, you know, and so, so I, I'll do some version of that. And so Chanel will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll thank her, you know, after the awards when there's no camera. Right now I might think, okay, Chanel and my mom, they're about 50%. And, and that, and again, that's a, that, that's a big maybe. So, so anyway, so there's that. Where do I factor into all this, Brenton? You are, okay, so you will, <laughs> you will get, uh, you will get a personal phone call, uh, no less than six months after I win my award, but it'll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do agree with you about just the list of random ass names. Yeah. Like that's what fruit baskets and blowjobs are for. Egg. And we're, exactly. we're not, you're not even allowed to give those anymore. So just here's a fruit basket. <laughs> To remove all phallic looking fruit <laughs> while we're at it. I'm also excited about Jimmy Here's a raspberry. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, uh, I, I, for, for my money, and I, and I feel like I've had a year to, to kind of resonate on this, I still feel like last year, for, for my money, Jim, Jimmy Kimmel was my favorite host, and that was my favorite hosting job that he did last year, which was ultimately, I feel like if there wasn't the snafu with... Uh, with with moonlight and la la land then oh then you know the you know jimmy kimmel being an outstanding host that would have been one of the stories coming out of it but you know because because of you know the uh the, the that wonderful moment when uh when a uh, warren Beatty, uh, you know actually no he didn't name the he, Faye dunaway was the one that fucked up. i was about to like, say yeah everyone <laughs> blamed warren Beatty because Faye dunaway just ran away that's what she did and then <laughs> warren was left holding the bag like uh, and, and so Bonnie but, fucked over Clyde hardcore. <laughs> but you know what else too? And I think this I think this is gonna bode well for this award show. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, you know, because of that experience, and you know, there, there's there's no blueprint for, for how to handle what happened. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely battle tested. So now you're like, all right, Jimmy, you're the host and you're hosting, you know, in 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 the eye of the of the storm of the Me Too movement. I feel like, all right, yeah, he's he's like cool. I could handle this. Did you guys see that that uh, that nonsense last year? I think I'll be okay with the with the Me Too movement. So, uh, so I, I agree with you. I think uh, Jimmy Kimmel is going to be a, a great host. I think he's going to balance everything appropriately, and uh, and and you know more times than not, the the people who put together the Academy Awards more times than not, whatever's going on, they tend to get it right. So so I, I have every confidence it'll be a, a terrific award show, and that they will find a way. To both acknowledge and and honor the the Me Too movement, because again, I'm also with you that it's a it's a wonderful thing and it's long overdue. Not only is it long overdue, uh, because yeah, I think because of the the Me Too movement, um, like just I I have a, a lot more understanding and empathy for for uh, for issues as far as women in the, in both the film industry and also other industries that that I you know I I, I was always. You know, I, I always consider myself a feminist, and I always very much aligned with, uh, you know, with uh, with you know, uh, women's equal rights and civil rights and whatever, and and all all that good business. You can see how articulate I am when I talk about it, all that good business. And as much as as much as I was absolutely, uh, you know, on the team, I still feel like I'm, you know becoming aware of things that I had no idea about because of the Me Too movement. So it's an all around good thing. 
So I think it should be acknowledged and honored, uh, but balanced with the, the the frivolous froth and pageantry that that we enjoy with with our Academy Awards. Exactly. That said, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the nine Best Picture nominees. And um, all right, I'm excited. <clears throat> And here's what I would like to do, Liz, because I know because right. you're on top of things. You you go to the uh, Toronto Film Festival, amongst other festivals. Uh, you see these pretty movies. much just that one. Okay, pretty much that one. But we'll pretend <laughs> like there's more. You go to you're you're at Cannes. You're at Sundance. Uh, you're at the uh, the Palm Spring Film Festival, which I think is a thing. Um, you go to everything. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's a Las Vegas Film Festival. There probably is. You were probably there. We should have gotten lunch or something. Um, uh, but you, you see these movies pretty much, uh, in the time that they were released in some cases before they're released. So like last year, uh, you were telling me about Moonlight months before it, it became nominated and was ultimately, you know, on the track to, to, to win. So, um, can so- I just talk about Moonlight real quick just oh. before we get into this? Because, okay. When I saw Moonlight, I remember thinking, I saw it pretty much when it came out in theaters in like October or something. And I turned to my sister who was with me and I'm like, I think that's going to win Best Picture. I just think it's going to win. But then I bought into all the La La Land type and I picked that <laughs> La La Land to win. And I was all like, oh, yay, it won. But it's like, no, Faye Dunaway can't read. And <laughs> and it was Moonlight. And I should have listened to my instincts. And that is going to um, come back a little later when we start talking about some of these movies. Oh, perfect. Because I, I, ha- I have a hunt, a Moonlight hunch with one of them. So... <laughs> All right. We shall very, see if it comes to fruition. Very interesting. So, so you've seen all nine of these movies, right? We can establish that. I there is one I haven't seen. Okay, so you've and seen... you'll hear about it when uh, we get to it. <laughs> so you've seen eight of the nine. I've seen four of the nine. So, so what I would like to do to to sort of balance the conversation a little bit, uh, we'll start with a movie that we've both seen. And then uh, we'll move on to a movie that I haven't seen, and then you've likely seen, and we'll kind of go from there. We won't we won't even list the nominees for the people. We'll just go through them. So if they don't know the nominees, it'll be like this will be like the the day where they learn the nominees. It'll be very exciting for them. Possibly. I like that too, and I like the idea of not going in alphabetical order, so people can't just like skip to the movie they want to hear. They have to listen to this whole fucking thing. <laughs> Absolutely, we won't even give them a list like on on on, on the website. I, uh, uh, yeah, well, that's rude. I'll give them a list, but we won't tell them what order we talked about them. How about that? Yeah, or you should do it in a different order, completely, like just another <laughs> randomized order, just to fuck with people. That sounds like a, a great idea. Oh, also, this <laughs> just just a side note, just a side note. Um, so there's a um, what's his name? God damn it, I can't think of anybody's name. It doesn't matter. He's he uh, Bill Simmons. Okay, he's a sports writer. Now he does primarily pop culture, but sports is kind of his uh, his wheelhouse. Um, he's very good friends with with Jimmy Kimmel, so uh, so he's got a podcast. He's got a, a, a he's got the, this podcast network called the Ringer Network. It's a it's a website and a podcast and a lot of great pop culture stuff, movies and television and stuff. Uh, you would actually like the movie talk that they do on there because he has because um, he has like really really smart um, like movie uh, critics who uh, who are really fun to listen to. So because he is because he's close with Jimmy Kimmel and their buds. Um, I think a week after the Academy Awards, uh, Jimmy Kimmel went on his podcast and gave just some like very, you know, in-depth, uh, you know, uh, insight about the unraveling of, of the Academy Awards from his perspective. And it was very, very interesting and very entertaining. And it was just it was great to hear <laughs> to basically hear everything unfold from uh, right from Jimmy Kimmel's point of view, because he had, 
you know, the, the, the best perspective, well, the best and worst, worst if you were him, because one of the things he acknowledged was like, he had no idea what he was supposed to do. If he was supposed to do anything, is he supposed to get on the stage and help, uh, <laughs> and help sort of unravel this. So, uh, so that, I mean, that episode at this point, it's like a year old, but it's well worth listening to, especially if you're like Liz and I, and you love the Academy Awards and, and it's almost like, it's almost like a bonus feature of, of, you know, last year's sort of debacle. Okay. So that said, uh, let's go ahead and start with All right. three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. How do you feel about starting there? Sounds good to me. All right. So this is a movie that um, I've actually seen twice. I watched it once on my own at the theater, and then and then later it was nominated. So I got to see it at the showcase. And when I saw it in the theater, I saw it uh, a few months ago, and uh, I had no idea that it was going to get nominated. I, I, I had really no context for what movies had buzz around them. Um, all I knew is that it was a uh, written and directed by Martin McDonough. Is that he, McDon- McDonough? Hey, McDonough. So I, knew- I totally crammed for how to pronounce the names of nominees before this because there's a <laughs> lot that are a little bit difficult. And so, yeah, or M- McDonough. I'm happy you crammed. I'm going to count on you for that. So I knew that he wrote and directed it. And uh, Seven Psychopaths is one of my very, very favorite movies. Fucking love Seven Psychopaths. And I know. I'm sure he's done something else I like. I mean, he I, did I, In Bruges as well with Colin Farrell. See, and, I haven't uh, seen that one yet. Brendan Gleeson. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. So, good. It's a little older, but so, it's good. So maybe Seven, maybe Seven Psychopaths is the only one I know. But um, I, I adore it. I, I love Seven Psychopaths. I love. I fucking love Sam Rockwell. He's been one of my favorite actors for the last 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, we're gonna talk about him. So like, so the fact that he's he's sort of he's now got all this nice award buzz. Like for me, it feels. It, I feel like it's validating my my fanboyness of like, yeah, I fucking love this guy for forever. Um, so I so I, I love uh, Martin McDonough. I love Sam Rockwell. I love Francis McDormand. Uh, I, I love Woody Harrelson. So I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to watch this movie. Um, and if, like I, in my mind, I thought this was going to be one of those movies that, you know, comes out, falls through the cracks. And then over the next few years, people kind of slowly discover it and, and, and appreciate it. Um, so I was, I was, I was, uh, I don't know how I felt. We'll say, we'll say pleasantly surprised that, uh, that it was actually became a, a very sort of a heavy favorite going into, uh, award season. So, um, so that's me kind of setting the table a little bit. Uh, what, what was your experience with this movie? When I first saw it, I thought it was going to be a little more zanier, a little a little more humorous, Agreed. sort of more in, in the line of Imbrue and Seven Psychopaths. Agreed. And sometimes when I expect a movie to be a certain way and look forward to it being a certain way and it's not quite that, it takes me a while to get over my expectations and judge the movie fairly. So when I first saw it, I was actually a little bit disappointed. I did see it twice like you. And, um, and then the more, and when I first saw it, I hated the ending, hated it. Um, but I, I thought about it more and more. It, It stuck with me. And I see, like you said, I see so many of these movies and some I, I could barely tell you what happens in some of them. And I, I sat and I watched them. But this one really stuck with me. And then when I saw it again, I was able to critique it sort of fairly in its own right. And I feel like because it was less 
zany and less black humored and off the wall. It resonated with a more mainstream crowd. Um, and I feel like it was more relatable, right? Like, I mean, in Seven Psychopaths, it's this alcoholic screenwriter, and most people can't relate to that. <laughs> but here, here's this working class mom who's dealing with a, a lost daughter. And I, I think that that really stri- strikes a chord with a lot of people. And But it's still, it has enough of that kind of dark-humored zaniness that Martin McDonough is known for. And I... I feel like it really kind of walks the line of you get to sort of revel in this woman's anger and all the revenge that she's seeking while it's not preachy about you reveling in that anger, Mm -hmm. even though it's about her and Sam Rockwell's character sort of realizing that this anger that drives them and fuels them isn't leading them anywhere. And I feel like it's a really resonant movie for sort of like the Me Too movement and what's going on Mm -hmm. today because it's this regular chick who basically said, yeah, we're not, like, I'm not going to take it anymore. My daughter was raped and murdered and I want justice. And so I really think that that it's very topical as well. Yeah, the the themes, uh, they they, they line up uh, very well with the Me Too movement and certainly there was no... Uh, Martin McDonough certainly wasn't, uh, you know, looking into the future, but sometimes, uh, you know, uh, uh, fate is on your side a little bit. So he, so he does have this movie with a, a very powerful, uh, female, uh, lead character and, and, and the themes, um, uh, many of the themes do line up with, with the Me Too movement. Similar to you, um, I, my, my first viewing of it because both because I, I love Seven Psychopaths. And if you watch the the preview, the the official preview for Three Billboards, it 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 um it it very much gave the impression of like this is going to be a nice sort of uh, sister piece to Seven Psychopaths because if you liked that, you're going to love this, right? So I went into it very much like you for that, and what I got was this uh very very heavy movie with with very heavy themes and uh very very sort of dramatic melancholy themes that you know in general i i have no problem watching those movies but like you you i went into it with with the expectation that i was going to get this sort of dark comedy with uh certainly some smart undertones and maybe something to say about uh uh you know culture and instead we got this sort of very very heavy dramatic movie uh that was dealing with you know racism and sexism and violence and then and of course there's there's the because i i wasn't really properly ready i think or calibrated for uh the 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 violence that's in the movie it's uh for me it was very it had this very like visceral effect and i wasn't sure i was even enjoying it or even like prepared for it and violence doesn't generally bother me but it does say something about your expectations right so i walked away from the movie when it was over and I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. I like, I was like, on the one hand, I was like, I can appreciate that this was a well-made movie and that the performances were for for my money off the charts. I just couldn't decide how I felt about it, but I thought about it like I, not even on purpose. Just I the whole rest of the day, I literally saw it at like ten in the morning by myself because you know Chanel was working. So I went to this movie by myself. I think there was literally three of us in the theater, and so just the whole rest of the day, I just kept going back and thinking about this movie and thinking about the themes and. And and, uh, and and the more I thought about it, the more I started to appreciate it. And then I was like, 
telling people about it. I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if I liked it, but kind of here's what it was about. But when I was telling people about the movie, I could hear like this enthusiasm in my voice. I was like, I, I, I sound like I liked this movie more than I did, but that doesn't really seem to match the experience I had. So I was actually excited to watch it again at the showcase. And when, with my second viewing, both having seen it before. So, you know, I, I, I knew how to calibrate my expectations for the, 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 the themes and the story. Um, but also because I've seen it before, I was able to sort of brace myself for some of the heavier, heavier scenes. The second viewing, uh, I enjoyed it uh, a whole lot more. I, I was, I was, I was able to enjoy it a whole lot more. Um, and actually both times, even the first time I saw it, I, the, the ending was actually one of my, one of my favorite parts. I uh, liked the ending the second time I saw it. Okay. And, 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 yeah. And, and, so like, cause it, it, I, yeah, and we're not going to give away the ending for yeah. people, but thematically it makes sense. Yeah. And I was okay with it. When I first saw I was deeply unsatisfied when I first saw it. <laughs> okay, so three billboards, uh, our, our final diagnosis. I think uh, we both, uh, we were, we're both, uh, we both liked it. Liked yes. it, loved it. Yes. Uh, in between. Yeah. I would say, I, oh, I also, uh, I, I power ranked uh, the Best Picture nominees on my favorites, <laughs> and it's number three. So that's pretty high up there for me. I think that, you know what, I think that that's probably fair. Um, I, I liked it a lot. And if you ask me on, on, on the right day, I might even say I loved it. So, um, not, uh, not, not shabby praise for three billboards. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, the performances we can, we, you know, if we have time, we'll get into those later, but, uh, but, you know, Sam Rockwell, he can, he can basically do no wrong in my book. And this is just another, this stellar performance. So fucking love him. And, and, uh, Francis McDormand, I'll, I'll, I'll watch I, I hope that they make 10 more movies with Martin McDonough and I'll watch all of them. Yeah. I, well, I think they should stick with those characters. <laughs> Seriously. It's a movie that, that you know, uh, you know, there won't be a sequel, but, uh, but neither one of us would complain if there was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get to a movie that I have not seen. In fact, how about this? Because I don't know what you've seen. Would you like to pick the next one? Because I think you okay. might have an idea of what I haven't seen. Okay, sure. Why, why don't we go with one, the only one that I haven't seen? Okay, we'll do that. Care to venture a guess which one I haven't seen, Martin? Okay, I okay. so see, I, I don't know if I should base my guess on uh, my my general ideas of your, of your taste or just what... Okay, that would so, be a pretty good start. Okay, so if I was basing this on you know liz's general sensibilities of what she would want to watch okay it comes down to two possibly three movies um but the two that i would guess you haven't seen are dunkirk and the darkest hour is it one of those two you have to pick one and then i'll (laughs) okay i'm okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take a shot in the dark and i'm gonna say that you have not seen dunkirk that is correct sir god damn it i want a prize correct you there you go. I'll you, take that. You, you'll get more if you thank me at your when you win your award. But anyway, okay, okay. Can can we talk about Dunkirk? Because every fucking year they screw me over. These Oscars screw me over. Where it's like all these movies that I'm more or less willing to watch, and then one fucking war movie comes out of the woodwork. Why? 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 And like, and it was it didn't even come out during Oscar season. It was a fucking summer movie, and it's yeah. still like. The Big Sick didn't get anything, and this summer movie gets something. Are you serious? And you know what? I I like to watch all the all the nominees like you, all the Best Picture nominees. 
this year, Martin, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Uh, Close the dynamite. I am not watching this movie. I, I will I will accept your uh, take on Dunkirk. I was also, because you mentioned it, I was also both shocked and disappointed that the big sick was not represented in the in the best pictures because that was hands down easily easily one of the best movies of last year and quite possibly you if you twisted my arm it might be my favorite movie that i watched last year i fucking love the big sick i, I just I, I watched it over the weekend just because i was like you know what i've got a couple of free hours and i i don't i want something that's going to make me happy and i'm going to watch the big sick um, so anyway, but it, whatever. I'm glad we got to talk about it for a second, but we're both should have been nominated. But also, you know, that's the fun of the Academy Awards. It's also the fun of just best of lists in general is, you know, who doesn't get on the list is just as fun to talk about as who does. So so you haven't seen Dunkirk. You're not going to watch Dunkirk. I love that hot take. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch Dunkirk this Saturday. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, it's actually going to kick off my Saturday. Ugh. I know, I know. I and so Well, you know what? Honestly, with it's probably gonna be more exciting than some of these other movies that are in your part two of the probably. best picture showcase. So Yeah, day two is actually it's I, I feel like somebody was It's a dry day. They were doing a mixtape and they just kinda of fucked up the second half of the mixtape. But Yeah. But uh whatever I will What's I'll, a mixtape? <laughs> oh good lord. Uh yeah. yeah. You you know what it is. It's just, I do know what I know. it is. But, I'm uh, just being a millennial asshole. But uh, but you're not wrong. That actually is sort of an outdated term. That because uh, when I when I was in high school, mixtapes that was that was the thing. You know, you you collected several CDs that you liked, but you never liked the whole CD. So then you have to go get a blank audio. Oh, we burned CDs too. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. a bit of a dinosaur. Yeah, I mean that came. But a anyways, bit later. fuck fuck Dunkirk is my. <laughs> okay, but can I just okay? So last year, there was only okay there were two movies i hadn't seen last year but one of them was hacksaw ridge hacksaw do you remember ridge. that i do yeah glorious film i watched hacksaw ridge oh my fucking god was it terrible <laughs> oh my god we have like andrew garfield is like running through a battlefield with this big doofy smile on his face like he's maria fucking von trapp and the hills are alive with the sound of music like careful when you do a twirl you don't trip over your dead comrade's head like honestly it was so fucking terrible and we have like vince vaughn saying things like this ain't kansas anymore dorothy playtime's over like are you serious a movie with that line is nominated for best picture and i have a theory martin that war movies are like douchey ex-boyfriends right you go through the misery the misery with them and then you say no more and then you purge them from your lives and then the Oscar nominees come out and one of them's nominated for best picture. And you say, you know, not going to do it, not going to do it. But then it's like, oh, I've changed. I'm not Mel gibson anymore. I'm like classy Christopher Nolan. And this is like a British movie with all this acclaim and all this shit. But you know what? If I do give it a chance, it's just going to be the same heartbreak all over again. It's probably a pretty good movie, but I fucking hate war movies. And so I'm not going to put myself through that degradation again. I have better ways of doing that, thank you very much. And let me tell you, I will watch it if someone pays me to watch it. How about that? <laughs> I w- if, if, if someone cares to hear my opinion about Dunkirk, they can find me at Liz Ann Hersey and we can discuss payment for this. Because you know what, Martin? This year I'm turning 30 and it's time to put on my big girl pants and stop being a slut and start being a whore. 
the end. <laughs> that's my opinion about Dunkirk. Uh, that's listen. That's that's the best opinion I've heard about uh, Dunkirk so far this <laughs> awards season. <laughs> um, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. I, I'll give like my my ten second take on it is I I wasn't excited at all to watch it, and that might have helped because I I watched it and I liked it a lot more than I expected to. But I also don't like war movies, so. It was like that long, extended, whatever, 40, 45-minute battle scene that's basically the third act of the movie. That was more than I needed. But uh, but yeah. I, I, I loved uh, Andrew Garfield. All, all the shit that you probably didn't like about him, um, I, I totally I totally uh, was won over by his, his, his sweet, goofy uh, goofy performance. But, yeah. but like you, I don't like war movies at all. I still haven't seen Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is... Neither is, have I. It's very much... That, that's one of the prominent movie, movies on, on the Schindler's List list. Um, and I, I just... I, for the second time... So the Steven Spielberg, there's a wonderful Steven Spielberg documentary on HBO right now. Uh, I've watched it twice already. It is just... It's, it's wonderful. Especially if you love movies like we do, you'll love it. And... Um, you know, they, they go pretty much through his whole library and then, you know, they spend more time on, you know, some of the more uh, pivotal movies of his career. So Saving Private Ryan was was one of them. And, and you know, that was the closest that I was kind of thinking like, yeah, you know what, I should probably check this out. Um, but I still haven't. I'll watch it eventually. But, you know, I, I don't love war movies. The best way to get me to watch one is to put it in the showcase because then you, you I'm literally you have to watch I'm literally a captive audience. It's like, all right, I'll all right, I'll watch it. <laughs> and, uh, and and, you know, like so a couple of years ago, one movie in particular was uh, The Imitation Game. And I was like, I don't know what this is. The, the preview looks like something that I absolutely don't want to watch when it came up in the showcase. And it was like. I think I, I literally like I went to the bathroom. I think I was getting snacks. I was like in no hurry. The movie like technically was going through the credits when I got there. And I was like, I don't I just I don't care. And I fucking loved it. It was one of my favorite I love movies. I love the imitation game, too. So so I'm hoping. So that's that's my only that's my saving grace is like uh, I didn't want to watch. It's like I Sorry. didn't want to watch it, but I loved it. So because that happened before, I that's always my hope of like. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll love Dunkirk a lot more than I expect to. And it's it's Christopher Nolan. I mean, he, I, he did the Dark Knight trilogy, so he'll and, and Memento. And, and I mean, I love I I didn't love um oh uh, I, what what was it called uh, Insomnia that 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 uh, there was a, there was a movie about a guy who couldn't sleep. All I wanted to do oh was, I liked that one. All I wanted to do was sleep while it was on. It was oh it was so boring. Maybe I'll I watch can- it again one day. I will say one positive thing for Dunkirk, which I was not expecting. I well, I was um, before we started recording. I went and I um, looked up and wrote down the length of all these films, expecting Dunkirk to be like two and a half fucking hours, like Hacksaw Goddamn Ridge. That's what I would think. And it's an hour and forty six minutes. I am already more excited about Dunkirk. That would be like that was like the one thing where I was like. Hmm, maybe I should watch. I'm like, no, no, I want to squeeze the listeners for money for it. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm still not going to watch it unless someone pays me. But the fact that like I, anyone who has listened to me on one of our Oscars podcasts knows how much I hate long movies and like really like over an hour and 40 minutes is pushing it for me and my millennial attention span. (laughs) But like, this is like very palatable. Um, So if you're even slightly okay with war movies, I'm like, huh, it is the third shortest movie in the showcase. So I like that. that I, I, hour I like 45. it too. You've actually, I'll, I'll, 
you've That's genuinely you've genuinely made me feel better about watching Dunkirk. Yeah, hour forty six. So don't 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 get too excited. <laughs> All right, so let's go into uh, the uh, our, our our third picture to talk about, and this will be one that we've well we we've both seen, and something uh, I'll pick this one deliberately because it's uh it's 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 you know kind of sort of maybe arguably the polar opposite of what Dunkirk likely is, and that's Lady Bird. Okay. All right. Can I just okay. I want you to start with Lady Bird because okay, I, feel, I, feel I will. Like... I will. It is hands down my favorite of all the nominees of all the best picture nominees. I, I fucking love. I'll be. Honest, I was nervous for a second because when I watched Lady Bird, I was like, "This is a sweet movie." I bet Liz loved it. And then, like just now, there was there was that pregnant pause, and I was like, "Oh Ooh. my god, Liz didn't like it." I don't Only know. thing pregnant you're ever gonna get out of me. So enjoy that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I fucking loved it. And what is it with Saoirse Ronan and me just loving her movies? Because I remember how much I was jizzing about Brooklyn oh, two you years loved ago. Brooklyn, yeah. Yeah, and this one, I just it just it. It was, yeah, like you said, it was just, it was so sweet. And while I like movies that are fast paced and lots of things happen because of my attention span, if I'm interested in the lives of the characters, I really like little slice of life movies. Yeah. And I love that it took place over the course of her senior year. And um, I like her character was, is a few years older than me, but like she was graduating, I think in 2003 and I was in high school. I was mm-hmm. a freshman in 2003. So I just, I remember like the style of, you know, how people wore their hair and all that just, and, you know, talking about traveling and nine 11 and everything. And I just, it, it just, it really like, I found her like, she could be an asshole at times, but I found her like super relatable as a teenager who both wants to desperately stand out and be different while fitting in with everyone else. Mm-hmm which are like two seemingly warring goals. And I just think that, you know, like I, I just like movies about everyday people, especially when they are kind of like me at one point in time. If I can relate something to me, it's instantly better, which is probably why I'm not going to watch Dunkirk. Um, <laughs> how am I going to relate to that? Uh, but like, I just, I, and I think that, I mean, movies don't have to be about historical figures that everyone's jizzing themselves to go see like to this girl to ladybird going away to college in new york is just as important as defeating hitler was to winston churchill Mm -hmm. like it was like and so it was just it really really struck an emotional sweet romantic chord with me that's yeah similar to so well similar to say three three billboards uh i I liked Lady Bird an awful lot, and if you ask me on, on on the right day, I would probably say that that I loved it. Um, I love so so generally speaking, like w- when I watch a movie, my favorite movies uh, have a, have a very strong uh, narrative drive, and of course, great characters that are that are you know uh, that are playing out their destinies within that narrative. But I love movies with a strong narrative drive, and so Lady Bird, it was um it, you know it was it was. Much more, it was much more of a of a character study of this character of Lady Bird. I forget her her character's actual name or her her given Christine. name, Christine. Um, but that said, I, I also very much appreciate movies that that you know that focus on just exploring a character. And, and you know, stuff certainly happens, and there's definitely a story being told. But uh, but but the narrative push of the movie, it's le- it is it, it's it's less about this bigger story and just more about watching this girl, watching her evolve, watching her go through high school, kind of discover herself, trying to, trying to stretch out a little bit, uh, trying to see who she is, 
you know having some victories and you know having some 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 uh, pitfalls along the way uh the both both the, the the relationship the chemistry she has with with her mom and in particular just the the acting performance uh that uh, that she had with with her own, uh, mom and again I, I you know it was aunt jackie from roseanne but i can't think of anybody's names um, Lori metcalf they were she was ex- so good they were wonderful and and and, and so I remember sort of going into this award seasons. I'd heard some, you know, that there was some, some similarity between uh, uh, between the mom and Itanya and the mom and Ladybird. So, so I watched. <laughs> so I watched Itanya a few weeks ago, and uh, and uh, d- 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 uh, fuck, what's her name? Allison Janney. I was gonna say Jane Alley or something. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Were you talking about that? <laughs> For real. So and, and so I, I loved her and I loved her performance and so I was like oh yeah that's cool so going into Ladybird I was expecting some level of that but uh, what you get with the mom and Ladybird is is you get you you get a lot more compassion but... she's like Glinda Goodwitch compared to <laughs> Alison Janney and Itania yeah like so in Ladybird she she is she's definitely she's she's got a, a sternness to her she's certainly uh, hard on her daughter Ladybird but you know, as, as the movie, I think, very fairly portrays, um, you know, she's definitely a parent who if she's if she's hard on her kid, it's it's a reflection of how much she loves her and how much she fears that she's not going to that she, she wants her to be a successful adult. But when you're a kid like Lady Bird or a teenager, you can't see that for what it is. But then there's these other great scenes, like just for example, just a very, very short but sweet scene with the mom and the priest. And it's just a very short scene. But, yes, yes, yes. But I love that scene because you know you see the mom. You 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 very much see uh, how sweet and compassionate the mom is. You know that that, that that's in her, and then when she is being hard on her kid, it's only because she loves her. And it, it, the beautiful performances. I and one scene that like just thinking about it almost chokes me up is when um, Lady Bird gets her heart broken by a boy, and her mom picks her up, and Lady Bird just bursts into tears oh, in the car. God. And then the mom says, okay, you know what? We're having an us day. And they do their favorite thing, which is going around to open houses uh, (laughs) from real estate agents. And that totally made me think of my mom when one day I got, you know, I came home after like this brutal breakup and I was like sobbing at four in the morning and she took the day off work and made me grilled cheese sandwiches with dill pickles. (laughs) So, and I actually, I, when I saw Lady Bird, um, I saw it twice, like three billboards and um and i knew the second time i'm like i have to take my mom to see this how'd your mom like it martin are you there oh, i'm here can you hear me oh she yeah she loved it she loved it yeah and, and just some like and my mom like wasn't as hard on me really as i think ladybird's mom was but there were some moments where we just kind of looked at each other and just like tried not to burst out laughing in the theater <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, so I definitely enjoyed it uh, an awful lot. Like I said, you know, ask me on the right day, I'd probably tell you that I loved it. But I imagine, you know, uh, like I, I like Chanel, definitely loved it. So I, I, I do, I do think it's a movie where, you know, it, it, uh, it, it probably helps the viewing experience. You know, if you, know, if, if you, if you have first her first time experience of what it's like to to grow up as a girl, you could probably relate to it more. And I'd like to imagine that uh, it says something about the the, the quality of the movie. 
that um, that even if you're me and you didn't grow up as a girl, that the movie can still resonate on all on all the uh, appropriate levels. So so Lady Bird is a it, it's terrific. You know, if, if I had a power list, it wouldn't be at the top of my list, but I definitely like liked it an awful lot. And I'll, I'll probably watch it again, and I'll probably enjoy it uh, even more the second time around. And it's also the shortest of all the nominated films, coming in at one hour and thirty four minutes. So oh, it beautiful checks time. that box. Beautiful for me. time for a movie. And um. And you, you mentioned I, Tanya. Can we just talk about that movie sure, for a little bit sure. real quick? Because I knew it wouldn't get nominated for Best Picture, but it was my favorite movie of the year. Oh, that's awesome. Hands down. Hands down. What did you think of it? Uh, that's another one. I, I liked it a lot. I don't know what my what my expectation was. I, I, can, I can say this. Whatever my expectation was for it, when it was over, I was left feeling like, yeah, I liked it. Similar to Three Billboards. And I don't even know why. I was like, I thought, I, I think I was... I don't know. I I, I wanted I wanted to like it so much more than I did, but I still liked it a lot. Oh, I was just glued. Like I, I Margot Robbie was. Oh, she was insanely good, and I knew it wouldn't get nominated for Best Picture because a lot of people. It was a very polarizing movie. I felt for people because the humor in that movie is like pitch black, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I, but that's my sense of humor, and people are saying that it's making light of abuse and all that. And that she's just kind of like this comedic punching bag. And I don't think it is. I think that you can joke about just about anything. And just because you're laughing on the outside doesn't mean you're not crying on the inside. And I felt terrible for her. Oh, yeah. And I just like my heart bled for her in a way that it might not have if they played it like a dry ass drama. Mm-hmm. But because I was laughing so much, I was engaged with the film and I thought about it more. So people need to have a sense of humor and it should have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I loved most about it was that uh, like like all of that happened. It, it was it was like what ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, somewhere around there, right? That was like the time frame. Yeah. So um, so you were you were definitely a, a kid. I was too young to remember it when it was happening. Yeah. So I was I was I was old enough. So ninety four, that was like high school. I was like I was probably like a freshman in high school, or actually I think I was a sophomore in high school. So I had a, a very very clear sort of uh, perspective of, of of how I remembered it. And basically, like at that time, Tanya Harding was hands down the biggest villain in sports. There was no nuance about it. She was just an awful person. And that was the narrative for, you know, the next 20 some odd years. So so watching this movie, one of the for, for me, one of the victories of it was how it, how it, it, it did such a wonderful job of telling you like this much bigger story and not not apologizing for the things that happened because you know the things that happened happened but then you know when you get the full story and by the time it's over you know tanya harding improbably for me for somebody who grew up with her as like just one of the all-time biggest villain in in sports to watch that movie and now she's a completely sympathetic figure was probably one of the best and most impressive things about it and it's not like the movie was like lying to the best of my understanding but it, it it also goes to show how powerful storytelling is and how, you know, how there's with, with any story, with any, with any character, there's so many different perspectives. And if you, once you get a whole story, it's just so much more interesting and dramatic and people are so much more nuanced than than, you know, than very often the culture allows them to be. So so those are definitely some of the takeaways I had from from I, Tanya, who, who again, probably, possibly, I mean, you know, I, I would have, if I had to choose, I'd rather see the big sick nominated over I, Tanya, but I was also surprised that I, Tanya, uh, wasn't nominated. So, okay. So we talked about Lady Bird. We both saw that. So now we will, 
we will pivot to a movie that I have not seen and one that you have seen. Um, because I haven't seen which, whichever one we're going to talk about next, would you like to pick, maybe, maybe you want to pick one that you're excited to talk about that I haven't seen? Well, can I pick one that I'm excited to roast the fuck out of? <laughs> yes, you can. Okay, Darkest Hour. <laughs> that was kind oh, of my guess. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that was your kind of runner-up for a movie that I didn't see. I, I went and I saw this one because I knew that Gary Oldman was going to win, and this is kind of more when I'm like, I, I should see every movie. Now, this is the movie that made me decide <laughs> the book stops here. I am not putting myself <laughs> through this anymore. Martin, it is so fucking boring. Uh, it is so boring. Okay, so when the nominees came out, I was with my family and I read out all the nominees. I wasn't able to watch the announcement live and darkest hour was nominated for uh, best costume, I believe. And, um, and my dad goes best costume. It's just a bunch of men in suits. And I'm like, <laughs> that could be the tagline for the entire movie. It is just men in a room screaming at each other. That's it. It is like, I cannot even begin to tell you how boring it is. That's all it is. That's all it is. And what, like, I know, yes, Winston Churchill did a lot for history. So praise him in the history books. I don't know why everyone creams their pants whenever there's any sort of movie or TV show about him. Like, I watched season one of The Crown, and I liked it for the most part. Claire Foy, A Revelation, blah, blah, blah. Anytime John Lithgow showed up as Winston Churchill, I fought back. Yeah, <laughs> I do, it, it is just it is exactly what you think it would be like no just no 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 so I don't know I don't I don't know uh, I don't know how you feel about the King's speech I think that was before we started doing these Oscar I didn't podcasts. mind the King's speech see the King's speech everything that you said about the darkest hour you could replace with my experience of the King's speech okay well buckle up Martin what what <laughs> number is darkest hour in your showcase it is number two. It's Dunkirk and then The Darkest Hour, back to back. Okay. Well, you know what? And like, if I like you had not seen those movies, I would probably, knowing what I know now, be more excited to see Dunkirk than Darkest Hour. Which, by the way, clocks in at two hours and five fucking minutes. It's yeah. two hours and five minutes of Gary Oldman slouching and going fuff, fuff, fuff. That's it. And by the way, that's all these people do when they play Winston Churchill. They slouch and they go fa fa fa, and they win all these awards. I, I, it blows my mind. And like this movie is for white guys over fifty with one syllable names like Bill or Jim. And I, I'm white, but that's as far as it goes. That is it. And so it, it is just so goddamn boring. <laughs> yeah. Can so I say that? On- because it is. You can't. You probably can't say it enough. Like when I so when I saw the King's Speech, I, I saw that in the theater, uh, and it was before I, it was before I was going to the Best Picture Showcase. So I would just try to see like the movies that were most being most prominently um, uh, not marketed, but you know the movies that the, the most buzz. Because you know I want I want to be in on it. You know, went to see the King's Speech in the movie. It was, it was another day where I went to the movies by myself at like ten in the morning, go watch the King's Speech, and I was so bored i kept waiting for it to get like better then i realized nope this is the movie and it was it was when i didn't walk out but i thought very very hard about walking out like that's how bored i was and so then once we got to the actual academy awards in my heart i was thinking like this movie's got a lot of momentum everyone's talking about it but if everybody watched the same movie i did then certainly they'll they'll you know they'll do the right thing and it basically like swept every award and it was like it was probably 
the least fun I had watching the Academy Awards because I, I just got mad every time I won another award. It's like, fuck you. God damn it. Oh, God. No, 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 no. So I was listening to you talking about The Darkest Hour, and I was like, we, we could just we could just plug in uh, The King's Speech, and that's like exactly how I felt about it. But because I haven't seen The Darkest Hour, I will go into it with optimism because what other choice do I have? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> All right, so let's... It's rain on your parade, Martin. <laughs> it's, it's awful. And it's, it's not even like it's, like, a poorly... Like, it's well shot and whatever, but it's... It, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want to cry. It was my darkest hour. My darkest two hours and five minutes. Okay, so we'll, we'll go to a movie now that uh, we've both seen. We'll speed it up a little bit only because uh, we're, we're up against the clock, but we're going to get to everything. So the, the, the next movie that you and I have both seen is Phantom Thread. Yes. And uh, so so with Phantom Thread, uh, I, had a, I had a few thoughts going into it. One, okay, I so uh, well, one thing that's interesting about it, I think its official release was in December, which made it uh, sort of a surprise nominee only because it, it, it came out late in the year and it didn't come out with a lot of buzz that I was aware of. Uh, it's not to say anything about the quality of the movie. It was just you kind of have an idea which movies you expect to get nominated. So this one was kind of a surprise for that reason. But it is Paul Thomas Anderson, who I'm a fan of. It's uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, who, who of course, he's even if even if he's in a bad movie, he's still going to be the best part of that movie. Um, so I'm a fan of both of them. Um, I feel like, and, and and you know, this this is based on nothing except sort of just my thoughts going into it. I feel like possibly potentially um more than any other movie on the list maybe you could make the argument that the phantom thread benefited from the james franco fallout where uh the the disaster artist um i was over the moon gaga for i love the disaster artist i knew as did i i knew it was going to be well represented in this award season best picture best actor best director it was going to be well represented and then, you know, James Franco, uh, you know, following the, the Golden Globes, there was a New York Times or L.A. Times or he was basically one of the prominent names that was um, that was, you know, brought down during, the, you know, in the midst of the Me Too movement. And so and so that absolutely affected these Academy Awards where, you know, the Academy Awards, while while I don't imagine there's just like a committee of people saying, you know, keep them in, keep them out. I do think there's probably a general sentiment of. You know, let's. We don't want this to be any more controversial than it needs to be. So, you know, we can all quietly acknowledge that the disaster artist was great, but you know, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna put a spotlight on it. And so, I think for that reason, you know, Phantom Thread might be one of those movies that maybe it wouldn't have gotten Best Picture, but because Disaster Artist created uh, a gap, it made room for a movie like Phantom Thread to to sneak in. Um, that said. Um, I liked it a lot. This one actually kicked off the showcase for me this past Saturday. And, oh, wow. And so um, so with Paul Thomas Anderson, my favorite of his, and maybe arguably his best is Boogie Nights. That's my favorite movie of all time. It's it's I can watch that movie. I, at the very least, I have to watch it at least once a year. I could probably watch it once a week, really. it's it's And it, and it ages beautifully. And that movie has such a, an amazing fucking energy to it that um that i associate that sort of uh energy with paul thomas anderson so with the phantom thread from the very beginning it's very meticulously paced and i wasn't quite calibrated 
for that. That's a nice way of saying it. So it took me a little while to settle into the pacing of this movie. But as I did, I came to enjoy it. But when it first started, I was a little bit nervous. But once I settled into to, to the pace of it, I was able to appreciate uh, you know what the what the movie was doing. I, also, too, um, this movie may also have benefited from the Me Too movement very specifically because you you have this very powerful, egotistic, narcissistic male character who ultimately is you know uh, met by a, a a very strong female character who takes it upon herself to. Um, to, you know, knock him down a peg or two. And so thematically, whether it's a coincidence or not, that uh, that definitely lines up with uh, the spirit of the Me Too movement. But uh, that said, I, I liked this one a lot. What were your thoughts on Phantom Thread? I, I'm i very um, on the fence about it. Um, I, I Overall, I, I like it. I will say I like it. And um, I think it was very well done. And a, a lot of this movie actually turned me on quite a bit. Um, shock of all shocks. We're all listening. It, it, well, just, I mean, I worked as a server for 10 years and where was my Daniel Day-Lewis ready to take <laughs> me out of that life and shower me with pretty dresses and degradation? Like, yes, please. <laughs> right. And uh, so I was definitely like the whole like power games dynamic I was really into. And I actually, um, when I saw it, it was uh, like a full, like a packed theater that I saw where I saw this movie and I was sitting next to this woman and it's so funny because every time there was some kind of like kinky power game and when I say kinky like don't get too excited it's very it's not a very sexual movie at all yeah but um it, that's but that's just the thing like it was just it's very the like Daniel Day-Lewis and Vicky Creeps uh they play these psychological mind games with each other. And just every time I, they did one of these crazy things, I got like, and anytime I got this like tingle in my loins, this woman (laughs) would just like let out this uncomfortable laugh. Like you could tell she was really like not fully okay with what was going on on screen, (laughs) even though like it's pretty in terms of content, like pretty mild, I would say, but that's just, that's what made it. I feel so fascinating was that it is my, it's not, you know, the whips and chains of like Fifty shades of gray and all that crap. Like it's, it's just mind games and it's with pretty dresses. So it's even better for me. (laughs) I loved that. I did feel, yeah, the pacing did not always jive with my millennial attention span. Um, and it was. It is the second longest movie coming in at two hours and ten minutes. Like they could have shaved ten minutes off yeah. that, for my taste. But overall, I thought it's it's unlike any of the movies that were nominated. And like you, I was I was surprised that it got as much Academy love as it did. Specifically with Best Picture, I thought it would um, get Daniel Day Lewis would get a nomination. And that would essentially in costumes, and that would basically be yeah. it. But it it did pretty well, and I think that um, the academy. I don't know. I de- I never thought about the Me Too movement um, helping this film out, but I do know that like, or I can take an educated guess that the Academy really likes Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. because I remember a few years ago when not his best work came out in Inherent Vice. And uh, I saw that and I was like, I love L.A. noir type movies, but this one, it, it was just a bit of a mess for me. And it got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And I was mm-hmm. like, seriously? <laughs> um, but I got, I guess it's probably speaks to Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. So overall, yes, I did. I did enjoy 
phantom thread um but yeah some parts were just very slow paced but yeah again like i was into it yeah i haven't seen... i don't even eat toast daniel day lewis <laughs> so let's do this i haven't seen inherent vice yet i'll probably watch it eventually don't. just as i <laughs> I, I just to, just to complete my uh, my Paul Thomas Anderson collection, I'll watch it at least once. But his last few movies, the, the the last couple that I've seen, well, I mean, well, they're his last few movies. Uh, but uh, there will be blood, and the master. Uh, both of those movies, for my viewing, was they they start out just like powerhouses, and then in terms of like just my viewing experience, both of those movies feel like they overstayed their welcome and by the time i got yeah. to the end of them i was just like yeah i need this movie to be over right so i was watching the phantom thread and i kind of felt the same way for a little while where i was like okay i settled into what's going on here okay i'm i'm, I'm on this ride now all right i'm into this okay this is this is cool and i felt like there i think i, I forget what what moment or what scene but i felt like we were definitely um you know pacing ourselves into you know in, into our into our the climax of our movie and then whatever the next scene, when it was very clear, like, oh, we're not close to done. And I started to get that feeling in my belly. I was like, oh, no, is this going to be another Paul Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson movie that's going to overstay its welcome? And I was already kind of just getting ready for that. And while it probably could have been shorter, it did the um, I was much more satisfied with with, say, the third act of this movie than I was with There Will Be Blood and uh with the master the one thing i mean he does a lot of things really well paul thomas anderson but um i find that uh whatever whatever the relationship is between a director and an actor he very consistently gets amazing performances from all of his actors so even even like in the master where yeah as like as, as the movie sort of gets into the second half and, and i start to feel like i'm just not as engaged with the story anymore there there's still there's still several scenes where just like the acting is just off the charts amazing and that's 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 a given for all of his movies so so you know i have to figure that that's that's not that's certainly not an accident that's definitely something that he's he's bringing to the table um, literally the only thing i remember about the master is amy adams giving philip seymour hoffman a hand job while he looks at himself in the mirror <laughs> that's yeah and i remember yeah i remember liking the movie but yeah it kind of it, it, you said it perfectly overstated its welcome i was like i like this i like this i'm like okay i'm ready to leave now and like i feel like phantom thread almost did the opposite of that like for the first half hour or so i'm like oh my god i have like a million years left of this shit <laughs> and that yeah it started to pick up and um Sorry if I interrupted you. You didn't. Um, okay. Because I have to say, like, I'm not sure how much time we're going to have uh, to talk about the acting nominees. So I just, I really, really wanted to say that I, of all the snubs, I think it is a travesty that Vicky Creeps did not get nominated for Best Actress. Because she was so good. I feel like she was, like, completely matched up with Daniel Day-Lewis, which how many people can say that? Yeah. And I just, I love that you know, there, there's this move along with the Me Too movement, there is like, let's have real, fully rounded female characters. And I love, you know, like strong female characters, but not everyone needs to be Charlize Theron in Mad Max or Lupita Nyong'o in Black Panther, even though I'm never fucking watching that. Um, <laughs> not because, because it's a superhero movie. Yeah, so you don't like superhero movies. movies. You're safe. You're safe. Okay. You've okay. been on record before about not being into superhero movies. Okay, just wanted to dot my eyes and 
cross my T's there. But yeah, but this Vicky Creeps, like I just, I fucking loved her, right? I, because she's someone who's like, yeah, I do like dressing up in pretty dresses and having some older man take care of me and even degrade me a little bit. But I still can own this shit and I can do whatever the fuck I want. And that's awesome. And I, just, I loved her. I loved her. Honestly, I so so here's what I knew going into Phantom Thread. I knew that Daniel Day Lewis was nominated, and I knew uh, an actress who I wasn't familiar Leslie with. Leslie Manville. So yeah, and, and she, she was terrifying. Yeah, no, she uh, she was she was wonderful in the movie, and so so because I just vaguely knew that there was a woman nominated, I assumed it was. Uh, you said her name is Vicky Crepes. Crepe. Crepes. Crepes. Um, she was wonderful. I, that one up. I don't know if you can hear that dinging. By the way, that's uh, yes, I can. Getting text messages from Chanel. Um, so I figured, I'd, okay, she's she's uh, she's on one right now. Well, she is horny. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume. Uh, almost definitely. I mean, if it's uh, if it if it's Thursday, then uh, almost definitely. So so because what's Thursday? I have no. Is that idea. like a thing in Vegas? Like Thursday? <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. If it's uh, if if it's a day that ends in Y, then pretty much definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so I knew that a woman was nominated, and I knew it was an actress who I wasn't familiar with. So when I watched the movie, because her performance was so strong, I just assumed she was the one that was nominated. And it's not that uh, who's the other actress who was nominated? Leslie Manville. And so it's not that she didn't deserve it because she was great, but I was shocked. I was like, oh, I actually just I watched the whole movie, just like, oh yeah, she totally deserves this nomination. Only to find out later, oh, I'm completely wrong. She wasn't nominated at all. So yeah, so so they were they were terrific. So here's what I want to do next. I I want to save our last movie for one that I've actually seen. So we'll do the next two movies that I haven't seen. So it'll be mostly you and then me kind of saying what I'm sort of hoping to get out of them. Uh, and we'll start with. There's three movies that we have to talk about that you haven't seen. Uh, let me see. I'm taking a look at the list. I see two that I haven't seen and one that I have. Oh no! You've, God damn it! You're right. So we'll, <laughs> you're right. So we'll do the next three movies that I haven't seen, and then we'll finish up with one that I have seen, so I, I can at least have some some point of view to share at the end of a, as we wrap up. Uh, but let's start with the Post, Steven Spielberg's movie starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, and I know Bob Odenkirk is in it, and that's about all I know. It's in the Washington Post and Nixon and uh, Watergate in the 1970s, and that's that's about uh, what I know. You can go. Sorry, I fell asleep. <laughs> because, yeah. So, okay, what number is this movie in your showcase? Um, I believe, I want to say it's it's either number three or number four. I know the showcase. If it is number three, that is cruel to have it following <laughs> Darkest Hour. And I am shocked. I am shocked. We're going to say it's number four. Darkest... We're going to say it's number four. Number four? Okay, good. Optimistically, we're that... going to say it's number four. Honestly, Martin, it's better than Darkest Hour, and that's the nicest thing I can say about this movie. <laughs> it's and like I mean, Meryl Streep is Meryl Streep, so there's that. But like, oh my god, it was it was so boring. It's just yeah, it, like it, it's a bunch of newspaper men and like in a room trying to break this story, and it's like who gives a shit really? Like, yeah. and you know, I and I kept the thing is I kept trying to give a shit in this movie like oh it's freedom of the press and that's really relevant because of your psychotic country these days and and all this but it's like i kept trying to care and then like about 45 minutes into it, i'm like wait a minute this is my fucking job they should make me care <laughs> and so then i just kind of sat there like just bored out of my skull um tom hanks is just 
he is crotch framing like the entire movie. That is like the only <laughs> interesting, like just what every scene is him crotch framing. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, I think I do, but go ahead and explain. It's like, like he'll be like standing up and talking and he'll like put one leg up on a chair. So it's like basically the person who's <laughs> sitting down is like making eye contact with his crotch, which is the most sexualized thing that's ever happened in a fucking Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> and it was still super boring. And it's just like, I don't give a shit, even though, yes, it's like, oh, these presidents kind of the because it's this idea that they're trying to break the story that past presidents knew about the Vietnam War and were planning for it and all this shit. But there was no personal ties. It's not like there was some soldier who was fighting in this war that I cared about or anything like that. If anything, it was just Tom Hanks wanting to swing his big balls around and beat (laughs) the New York Times, which I don't really care about. You know what's a newspaper movie that I gave a shit about spotlight because like there are people all over the place getting molested. And I care about that. I did not care about this at all. It is so goddamn boring. <laughs> like, and th- there's a lot of like printing press porn that looks really nice. And, and Meryl Streep has a very Oscar Beatty monologue that she, you know, kind of swiftly gotten there and got that nomination away from Vicky creeps, <laughs> but it's just, Oh my, I mean, it is slightly under two hours, but yeah, yeah. My, my concern both going into watching it at the showcase as well as when I first saw the preview is that uh, <coughs> Steven Spielberg, I don't know if it, it wasn't his last movie, but the last movie of his that I saw was Lincoln. Oh my God. And I was, so, I didn't bother. I was so goddamn bored watching Lincoln and I went into it thinking like, Steven Spielberg, he's not just a great filmmaker, but he's a great storyteller. So he's going to find a way to make this interesting. And it was so fucking boring. So when I saw the post, I just felt like, I don't know, he maybe he's, he seems to be going. He's definitely going through um, certainly a fascination with uh, with, you know, historical, historical, you know, factual stories and, and, and telling the stories on film. And because I was so bored with Lincoln when I saw the preview for the post, I was like, I, I don't have a lot of faith that he's that he's going to make this interesting for me. Listen but to your gut, my friend. Sim- it's not <laughs> similar to The Darkest Hour and Dunkirk. I'm going to go into it with optimism because what choice do I have now? The uh, the next movie that I haven't seen is Call Me by Your Name, and I I know I I know that I know that it has predominantly gay themes, and that's really all I know about it. So I'll let you take the lead. Yeah, this movie is actually my second favorite out of all the nominees. I friggin' love this movie. Uh, I am so sad that you didn't see it because, like, literally half my jokes were about a scene in this movie involving a peach. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Not a clue. Okay, well, you're you're in for a treat. So so just keep that in mind uh, when you see it. And it's it's um it takes place in the '80s in beautiful northern Italy. Um, and it's this 17 year old kid who has these like this professor dad and um, and this uh, he hires a research assistant to come live with them for the summer. And he is played by the dashing army hammer and uh, the kid played by Timothy Chalamet, who, let me just say, hardcore deserves the Oscar over Gary Oldman or any of the nominees, really. He's fantastic. It's about them sort of falling for each other and um and the summer that they spend together in Italy. And I'm surprised by how much I like it because it is the longest movie of the nominees coming in at two hours and 12 minutes. Oh, okay. And like Lady Bird, it is sort of, yeah, it's just a slice of life 
kind of thing. Um, but I, I think I just, I'm just a romantic and I love young romances. I write for young adults and, um, and I was just riveted by these characters. And if you think it's like this gay sex fest, like don't get too excited. Like it is a very, <laughs> very much a slow burn of a movie in terms of any sort of love or anything like that. And like, this is no Brokeback Mountain where 20 minutes in Heath Ledger's doing the old spit and thrust to make you rest <laughs> in peace. But it's just, it's just a very, like, the setting is romantic. Just everything is just, like, lush and full of young romance. And, and the peach is fantastic. And I, I really, really have a soft spot for this movie. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I'm, I'm feeling very good about this one. Uh, what the, number is it in your showcase? It is, I want, I want to say that's the third one in the showcase. I feel like that comes after Darkest okay. Hour before The Post. Well, that'll be a nice breath of fresh air for you. So the movie that's going to show, that's going to close the showcase for me will be the next movie that we talk about because I haven't seen it. But the movie that I'll see at the end of my showcase day is Get Out. And I have uh, some vague ideas of what it's about. But for the most part, I've uh, as much as I know about it, I've also you know avoided it as much as I could so I can kind of fully get the experience. Uh, but that said, go ahead and uh, please give me your take on Get Out. I thought Get Out was super fun. I am so happy that it got nominated. I, As much as I like these art house movies that tend to get nominated for Best Picture, I always like it when there is a sort of more genre-friendly film yeah. in the mix, like like a Mad Max or I don't know what the fuck the one was last year. But um, but yeah, I, so um, this movie... It had like like Mad Max for me. Like Mad Max was not the type is not the type of movie I would typically want to go see in theaters. But when I saw the trailers, I was kind of like, huh, I, like I want to see this for some reason. And Get Out was the exact same. I am not a big horror movie person. I I will fully admit I am a huge puss when it comes to that stuff. Um, <laughs> I do not like the jump and scare you moments in movies. I hate sudden loud noises whether in movies or real life. So it's it's not for me, but just something about this movie, I was like, this is interesting. And then with all this buzz, I was like, okay, I think I want to go see this. And I did. And Martin, you would have like just had a riot watching me in the theater <laughs> because like I, I've seen enough movies that I'm not the type of person who's going to like jump and spill the popcorn everywhere. I know when these moments are coming but because I do, I like curl up in a ball and like plug both my ears, but I still want to eat popcorn. So I'll like plug one ear with my shoulder while I'm eating. And it's like, I look like I'm about to like have a seizure essentially. <laughs> um, and I think that, yeah, this movie, it really touches a lot of um, re- really solid points about racism and is very insidious because uh, the um, the quick tagline is... Um, where is it? I had it. Uh, it's time for a young African-American to meet his white girlfriend's parents for a weekend in their secluded estate in the woods. But f- before long, the friendly and polite ambiance will give way to a nightmare. And that's it's not like a slasher movie. Like most of the time, it's just like there's something weird going on and it makes you very uncomfortable. But it, it takes a while before like the really sort of horrific scenes to kick in. But I, th- I think it was great. I'm so happy that it got nominated for Best Picture. And remember how I said when I saw Moonlight, I was like, I kind of think that's going to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. With this, I said to Matt, if this gets nominated, I think it has a real shot to win Best Picture. So I, 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 I don't know how right I am. I know it's definitely like 
in the mix. But I feel like I need to pick it because my gut is just telling me to pick it. Well, the good news is it's on the record. So we can definitely, uh, if you know, if it plays out this time, similar to, to your uh, quiet pick of Moonlight last year, then uh, then uh, then you will be fully vindicated because we have it on the record that uh, Liz's dark horse pick for 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 the win is Get Out. I'm very excited to watch it. I wanted to watch it in theaters. I, I so I, I think so. So Chanel and I we have uh, our schedules don't always line up, but but we like to watch movies together. So that's that's part of the fun. So like. I'll go to the I go to the movies by myself often. I don't mind that at all. Chanel goes to the movies by herself once in a while. Um, but if there's a movie that we're both excited about, and part of the fun is you know being able to enjoy a movie together with you know with with the uh, with, with with your best friend. So so there's sometimes we'll save a movie, and I think Get Out was one of those movies that we were saving, but then we just couldn't quite find time in our in our somewhat jagged schedules, and then eventually it was out of theaters. Uh, but then it was on, uh, it was on, you know, DVD and Blu-ray and whatnot. And so my mom, uh, brought a copy of the Blu-ray over cause she knew that I wanted to see it. And so they had a copy of the house. So she brought it over and it's been sitting on my coffee table for months. And so at that point I was just kind of pleasure delaying. I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to watch this. Um, but we'll just, we'll really make some time and make a night of it and really have some fun with it. And then, uh, then eventually by virtue of not watching it, the, uh, the nominations came around, it was nominated so then it was like, oh, cool, we actually get to watch this in the theater at the, at the showcase. So now I'll definitely avoid it and just get my first full experience at the showcase. And it's one of those movies where, you know, in, in, in as much as you can know without knowing, I know that I'm going to enjoy it. So I'm very happy that it's closing out the, the showcase on Saturday. And uh, I'm very optimistic that I'm going to gonna really, really enjoy this movie a lot. Now the last... It'll be a nice palate cleanser for you after the the hazing you're gonna have to go through in the morning i I felt like that's kind of the saving grace of saturday's schedule uh so so okay so now we'll go into the the last nominated movie that uh, that we've both seen and of the movies that i've seen uh as i sit here reflecting this is probably my favorite of the nine nominated movies and so it is the shape of water i've now seen this twice and I fucking love this movie. I loved it the first time. I loved it even more the second time. I don't know. I don't know what's in the tea leaves as, as far as its best picture chances. But uh, but if I was making a power listing, having only seen four movies, The Shape of Water would be at the top of my list. So what, what are your thoughts? It's it's up there for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I grew up just loving fairy tales and Disney princesses and all that. And this to me is just this sort of more mature, dark, urban fairy tale. And and I adored it. And Sally Hawkins is just, just a powerhouse. And like, I don't, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 no, I, I was just kind of going off. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, but then I was like, I guess I, I did. Cause I started to talk, but I, <laughs> but, but I was trying to time it to, to not cut you off. I guess that's that I'll, I'll say that. Um, so, so Sally Hawkins, she's uh, uh, she, she's not going to win Best Actress. That's going to go to Frances McDormand, who also had a great performance. But Sally Hawkins' performance, it's it, it, it's great on on any metric. But uh, in this movie, she's she's mute. So in this movie, uh, she doesn't have dialogue. So so her performance is 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 all a silence essentially 
and 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 it's and and it's just it's just, she's so fucking brilliant and and it and I say that like it's not that I'm not a fan of hers but I couldn't tell you I couldn't name three movies that she's in I'm sure I've seen her around in fact she was in what was she in uh, the She's in Blue Jasmine. I was gonna say Blue Jasmine. So, so yeah. So like again, she's one. She's probably similar to Sam Rockwell, where I probably don't realize how often I've loved her in the movies, except with Sam Rockwell. Like I, 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 I love him, so I know. But she, you know, Sally Hawkins. She might be some equivalent to Sam Rockwell, where she's been around, been around a while. She's probably terrific every time, and uh, just just slightly sort of exists under the radar. But um, I loved her performance so much, and I would be. You know, I, I would love to see her win Best Actress. I don't, I don't think that she will, but she's so fucking good. And Octavia Spencer, who um, I don't have strong feelings about her one way or the other. Generally, when she turns up in movies or TV, it's like, oh, that's that's nice. I don't have a problem with her. In Shape of Water, it is hands down my fucking favorite performance of hers. I was so in love with her and her performance for the whole movie. Um, and just in terms of performance wise. She she cert- she she has to carry a lot of. Basically, she's best friends with Sally Hawkins, so because Sally Hawkins' character doesn't talk, uh, Octavia Spencer's character picks up the slack, and she does it, and she's just so dynamic and entertaining and engaging and empathetic and goddamn. Every, every every actor is just on their A game in this yeah. movie. Like uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, who was the. Um, like a, a scientist. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. And he's also in Call Me By Your Name, too. And it was kind of a bit of a controversy that he didn't get nominated for his performance. I've read that. a little bit about that. Yeah, Richard and Jenkins is Richard wonderful. Jenkins was so awesome. And also, um, the movie does have a little personal soft spot in my Canadian heart because it was filmed in Toronto. Oh, I didn't know that. And it, yeah, it was. And um, there's a pivotal, some pivotal scenes in a diner involving Richard Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And that diner is was like a five-minute walk from my old place. Oh, where that's I used, awesome. And I, I went there all the time. So yeah, it was my old stomping grounds. And uh, some of the characters live above a vintage cinema. And that theater is a theater that I've been to in Toronto. So it does like... It does kind of capture my heart that way. And just the whole aesthetic of the movie. I think it is going to sweep every artsy category yeah. it's nominated for because it just, it looks gorgeous. And just the, I mean, it's, she's fucking a fish and like you want to cry, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful and romantic. Um, there was something that I thought was missing from this movie. And that's me um, because <laughs> I always relate things to myself. And because there's, um, Michael Shannon plays a pretty uh, villainous character yeah. in this movie. And um, and so they the idea is that they, Sally Hawkins and Octavia Spencer and some of these other characters want to, uh, without spoiling anything, want to get away with something behind Michael Shannon's back. Mm-hmm. And Michael Shannon also has like this weird sort of wine scene fixation on <laughs> Sally Hawkins. <laughs> and at one point he has her in the office like he calls her into the office to basically like sexually harass her, yeah. and 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 she's mute. And he's like, "I'm gonna make you squawk." And I was just like, "You know, n- not cool, Michael Shannon. You're not allowed to do that." But oh my god, do I want you to make me squawk? And so I was, that's, all I was thinking is, I want more scenes like that. I could have been the distraction tool. He would not have been thinking about Sally fucking Hawkins if I was there. So. They could have used me, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and much like, much like in Whiplash, if I may. Sure, because, you may. 
Thank you. Um, I feel like if I were in that movie, here we have J.K. Simmons with like with his unexpectedly bulging muscles, and I would love nothing more than for him to slap me in the face and call me a cocksucker, and then that poor little drummer boy would have been left alone to pursue his art. It would have been perfect. <laughs> Um, I think what I'm saying is I just basically want to be a slutty rodeo clown um, <laughs> for uh, sadistic men in movies. Uh, I, I, I think that's my true calling. You are nothing if not consistent, Liz Hersey. Um, like, well, just think about it, right? Like, uh, drop me into Dazed and Confused. I would literally, like, sh- bend over, show my ass to Ben Affleck and be like, hey, Ben Affleck, look at me. I have a very paddleable ass. Would you like to see it? And then it's off to the races. And those... Little freshmen get off scot-free, I get off, and everyone is happy. <laughs> so basically, the takeaway that is The Shape of Water could have used me. <laughs> uh, I think uh, for all intents and purposes, I think that's fair. I think that's Ew. fair. So, okay, so I am really up against it, but I, I would feel like we were doing the listener a disservice if we didn't do just like a crazy quick lightning round of the uh, of, of the actor nominees and... Um, so here's what we'll do. Do you happen to have the, the list in front of you by any chance? Yes, I do. Okay. So do me a favor. We'll, we'll make this just like crazy lightning round. Uh, just uh, go through the list. We'll do just a very quick thumbs up, thumbs down. I think they're going to win. And, uh, we'll do that for the actors. Um, and, uh, and we can just quickly mention like this, the shocks, like, oh, I'm surprised that this person was nominated. Yeah. yeah let's okay. go for it. Okay. So best actor in a leading role, Timothy Chalamet for call me by your name. Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Um, as we previously mentioned, I think that we're both pretty sure that Gary Oldman is going to win for Darkest Hour for mm-hmm. whatever fucking reason. I really want Timothy Chalamet to win. Don't think he's going to get it, but he, you know, he's young. And I think, like, this kid is going, like, once you see this kid, Martin, he's going to be around for a while. So... I- I'm excited yeah, I think about he that. should get it. Um, sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, I love uh, I love Daniel Day Lewis's performance in the Phantom Thread, which I saw. Uh, Denzel Washington, I saw him in uh, the uh, Israel uh, J such and such. You movie. saw that movie? I actually, I, I did see that movie. I saw that movie with them. Um, I know I, nothing about it. Uh, the movie in and of itself was fine. Didn't uh, didn't didn't love it, but I don't regret I heard it was watching terrible. it. It was, um, you know, it was. Uh, it, I, I, I don't regret watching it, but it's, it's not entirely memorable. Uh, Denzel Washington, his, uh, he, um, he created a, a very uh, uh, interesting and memorable character for a, a movie that probably didn't exactly deserve his performance. Ultimately, or the movie, I should say, the movie didn't live up to his performance. I also think that, uh, similar to my thoughts about the Phantom Thread. Denzel Washington absolutely was the benefit of James Franco getting oh, um, for sure. squeezed out. For sure. Yeah, this was James Franco's spot to lose. Absolutely. And uh, he, he lost it hardcore. And so now there's this like random movie where I, I like even looked up what it was about like before um, recording. And the, uh, the log line is uh, Roman J. Israel, Esquire, a driven idealistic defense attorney finds himself in a tumultuous series of events that leads to a crisis and the necessity for extreme action. I still have no idea what this movie's about. And you know what, Martin, much like Dunkirk, I am not going to watch it. So congratulations, Gary Oldman. Better luck next time, Timothy Chalamet. That, that's my take. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, go ahead and uh, give us the ladies. Okay. 
All right, best actress in a leading role. We have Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie for I, Tonya, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep for The Post. Okay, so uh, Frances McDormand will win, but uh, my heart will be rooting for Sally Hawkins. And mine will be rooting for Margot Robbie and I, Tonya, because I love that. And also, like, I mean, I'm... Saoirse Ronan, I always love her. Uh, yeah, Meryl Streep, don't think she needed the 21st nomination <laughs> of her career for the fucking post. Um, would have liked to see Vicky Kreitz get in there for Phantom Thread or even Jessica Chastain for Molly's Game because the movie was decent, but Jessica Chastain was fantastic. Um, but yeah, Francis is going to get it. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do uh, supporting uh, actors real quick. All right. We have Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project, Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water, Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, and Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So Sam Rockwell, all day, er day, and if he does not win, I will protest the rest of the awards. Okay, well, I, I, I have a couple of, I'll, I'll make them quick, but some takes on, uh, on this category. Sam Rockwell, first of all, yes. And um, he hosted Saturday Night Live a couple months back. And um, and he made a big joke about how, how he's this character actor. Like, he's never the leading man, but he comes cropping up in all these movies. And uh, much like he does that way in Hollywood, so he does in my spank bank. And, uh, like, he's not, a, like, I'm not really like, you know what? I, I'm waking up with a hankering to jerk off to Sam Rockwell today. But I remember him in a, uh, a uh, very... Um, highly acclaimed film of the name Charlie's Angels in 2001 <laughs> where he played the villain and he sort of honeypotted Drew Barrymore and at one point he has her tied up and he has duct tape over her mouth and he draws like lipstick on it and I was just, like that just did it for me <laughs> so uh, since Charlie's Angels I've, I've carried a bit of a torch for Sam Rockwell and um I you know who Christopher Plummer can thank for his nomination oh I, I think I do but go ahead and say it Kevin Spacey. 100%. <laughs> because, okay, this movie, All the Money in the World, I would have known nothing about it had it not been for the fact that they got all this attention because uh, at the 11th hour, they removed Kevin Spacey from the movie that was already shot and put Christopher Plummer in there and reshot all the scenes. I just know it's it, he's some oil tycoon, and that's about it. Um, and so you know, I'm like, does he really need to be there? Because, like... Yeah, with Call Me By Your Name, there were so many great male performances, like the aforementioned Michael Stuhlberg. We have Army Hammer, The Peach. Like, there are so many, <laughs> so many great performances in this movie. But I do have to say, I do have a soft spot for Christopher Plummer because he is a fellow comedian. Um, and I just, like, he just comes across as just this, like, very much a gentleman of the old school, but, like, a little bit pervy. Do you know what I mean? Do you yeah. get that impression? Like, he's like a lecherous gentleman. I feel that if after uh, some intense, passionate lovemaking, he would be the kind to like suavely hand you a silk handkerchief to like wipe up the jizz between your legs. I just have that impression. And like, not just his regular handkerchief. This is a handkerchief specifically for wiping up jizz. That's what I mean by lecherous gentleman. And honestly, I really think that that kind of thing could catch on. And so gents, if, if you want to like, really like woo a lady you should have one of those silk handkerchiefs and before you go off to the races don't go get one and go waving it around your office saying that you have a jizz hanky after you have consensual sex with a woman that's when you pass it to her but i think that's a really classy move don't you martin yeah i think we can totally rebrand the cum rag and like make it classy yeah. the cum rag and 
if you want listeners gentlemen if you want to get your own silk handkerchief they're available for purchase on amazon.com but before <laughs> you purchase, you go to amazon.com to purchase your jizz silk handkerchief why don't you uh, go to martinlestrapshow.com, click the Amazon shop banner, because Amazon will then in turn kick a few pennies back Martin's way, and he can use those to reinvest them into the show. So I can keep coming on here and telling you about jizz handkerchiefs. <laughs> How was that, Martin? You are a fucking gem. I, 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 I want to say this for the <laughs> listeners. Not only wasn't that planned, uh, Liz just just shocked me. Not only that she did it, but how well she did it, because the because you know if you go back to Liz's first uh, appearance, I blindsided <laughs> her uh, to, with the with the Amazon. You blindsided thing. me more than once. And more than when once. you say this wasn't planned, it was totally fucking planned. She just planned, went in on the plan. It was planned on your end. It, it was not planned on my end. That was beautiful. Very well played. I enjoyed that an awful lot. Uh, ladies, uh, ladies, and ladies, and then uh, director, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. So, best supporting actress we have Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, Allison Janney for Itania, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, Lori Metcalf for Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. Okay, so I'm bad with names. I'm going to try to remember. So, Allison Janney, I feel like she was getting a lot of buzz going into it. Uh, I think Lori Metcalf has some buzz going into it. Uh, I, I do feel like there's several uh, deserving performances, and I, as best as I could tell as I'm reading the tea leaves, um, I, I it, it feels even-ish. Also, in the supporting actor categories, that's generally where, if you're going to see a shock, it's generally going to happen there. So I'm going to go out on a limb. Not so much that it's saying it was my favorite performance, but just because I think I'm going to go for, you know, uh, just sort of the, the award that's going to make people say, hey, whoa, wow, didn't see that one coming. I'm going to say uh, Leslie Manville is going to win for Phantom Ooh, Thread. what a hot take. Um, I think you're wrong. <laughs> um, I think she has no buzz whatsoever. But uh, if she does, good for her, whatever. Um, I, I think it is going to be, like, my gut tells me Allison Janney, and she, she has, it, that does sync up with the buzz that has been going on. Mm -hmm. like, and I feel like in the supporting category, people love a good villain. Voters love a good villain. I'm thinking, like, J.K. Simmons and Whiplash. Pardon me while I cream my <laughs> pants. Um, Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. Heath Ledger, famously, mm -hmm. um, Dark for Night. Dark Knight. This is two Heath Ledger references that really? I've got going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I feel like I feel like it's time that uh, we awarded a villainous lady, and I, I think it's going to be Allison Janney. Uh, and you know what? I, I I love her to death. So I'll be thrilled when she wins. But you know, just uh, my 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 get out take, my my moonlight take is uh, Leslie Manville for best supporting actress. Um, best director, run through them real quick, and then we'll call it a day. So, well, can we do the writers though? Of course we can. can. Yeah. What what like directing will take me like two seconds. Sure. So uh, we have um, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. I think it's going to be Guillermo del Toro. I don't even think there's a question about it. I would love to see Greta Gerwig win because she is amazing and so is Lady Bird. Um, and it's like, I'm just happy that, like, this really is, the directing I feel like really is the sort of old white boys club. So I'm really happy <laughs> to see her and Jordan Peele mixing yeah, it up. For sure. But I still think it's going to be Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, I think uh, Guillermo del Toro will 100% win. And it will also be, 
It'll essentially be uh, the consolation prize for The Shape of Water not winning Best Picture. So he'll win Best Director in in exchange for not winning Best Picture. Yeah, I think so. And uh, let's do the writers. Okay, for adapted screenplay, we have James Ivory for Call Me By Your Name, Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber for The Disaster Artist, Scott Frank and James Mangold and Michael Green for Logan, Aaron Sorkin for Molly's Game, and Virgil Williams and Dee Reese for Mudbound. So I've only seen a couple. Logan was outstanding. I would love to see it when I don't expect it to, but I'd be thrilled if it did. Um, the Disaster Artist, I'm torn because I'm, I would love to see it win. There's a part of me that thinks maybe they maybe it would win partly to honor a terrific movie and also because they wouldn't have to say James Franco's name, but then by the same token, they would have to acknowledge James Franco, and I think the Academy is, wants to steer away from any controversy that it can help. So um, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a movie that I have not seen, Call Me By Your Name, because you know I think the Oscars... When they know that a, a movie is not going to win something big, they like to give it some consolation. So it's not going to win an acting award. It's not going to win Best Picture. So I think uh, I think you know they can give it adapted screenplay, and then they can feel good about themselves. I I think that it is going to be Call Me by Your Name as well, simply because of all the movies listed here. It is the only one nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's very odd for the Academy to award something for Best Screenplay that has not been nominated for Best Picture. And, yeah. and it's just, oh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. It's, I just think it's such a beautiful movie. And I am excited to see the disaster artist get something because I agree with you, it is a fantastic movie. And I don't think that everyone should be punished because of one alleged bad yeah, egg. For sure. Um, so, and, and the screenplay, I feel, was was very deserving. And uh, look at Mudbound go, uh, or really look, look at Netflix go, because yeah. that's um, that's the best Netflix has done so far at the Oscars. Uh, Molly's Game, I thought, it, it's very wordy, shock of all shocks, because it's Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> um, it, it, it's a very interesting uh, underworld of poker from this woman's perspective, but it is a little talky, and um, there is the fact that Kevin Costner's in that, so you have to deal with that. <laughs> and uh, and L- Logan's a superhero movie, so I'm not going to watch it, of and that's course. that. But if you were going to watch and, one, it would be Logan, but I get it. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> and lastly, closing it off, we have uh, Best Original Screenplay. We have Emily V. Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani for The Big Sick. Uh, we have Jordan Peele for Get Out. We have Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. We have Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor for The Shape of Water. And we have Martin McDonough for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So, okay, I have a couple thoughts on this. Um I would love the Big Sick to win because I'd like to see it honored, but I think that I think the nomination is the honor, so that one's. I out. agree. Um, uh, similar to my to my sort of thoughts about the Academy liking to honor movies that aren't going to get the big awards. Uh, get Out's not going to win. Well, I don't know, but it's, it's not going to win Best Picture. It's not going to win Best Actor. It's not going to win Best Director. So Best Screenplay would be a safe award to honor it and give you know a, a appeal a, a chance to to get up there and sort of represent his movie. Um, uh, I think the same is true for uh, Three Billboards because Martin McDonough, he, if I'm not mistaken, he was not nominated for Best Director. Is that correct? He was not. That was a shock. So I feel like, okay, he was not nominated for Best Director, so maybe they give him Best Screenplay, but I think Three Billboards is actually going to win Best Picture, which means Martin McDonough will get a chance to represent his movie on stage that way. So by process of elimination, I'm going to go with Jordan Peele for Get Out. I think it's going to be Get Out as well. Um, I just just looking at it, I think that this was such a powerhouse of a movie, and of all, 
like I actually this is a really juicy category. I love all these movies, truth be told. Um, but I think if I had to say, what's the best idea? What's the most original idea? Like just for a premise alone, I would say Get Out. And I think that it's generated so much buzz. And Jordan Peele, who's known as a comedian, I feel like the Academy loves it when someone steps outside their wheelhouse. So I, I agree that I think he's going to take it home for original screenplay. And I, I'm still picking I'm still picking Get Out for Best Picture. I'm doing it. And I, I, I wouldn't be disappointed with that either. I'm assuming, like I said, I'm assuming I'm going to enjoy it. So there it is. That's those are our takes Whoa. for the 2018 Academy Awards, the 90th Academy Awards ceremony. The third uh, year we've done this. Third year we've done this. I'm terribly excited uh, about watching this. I wish I could talk more, but like I said, I'm up against the clock. So uh, so so listen, guys. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen on Stitcher. Go to MartinLestrapShow.com. Take Liz's advice. Shop on Amazon, but go to the website first. I think we've covered all of our bases. Yeah, and uh, go have sex, people, because it's Thursday. That too. Yeah, it is Thursday. Go have sex. Uh, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks, uh, thanks to Liz, of course, for being as delightful and funny and filthy as ever, as 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 advertised. Uh, thank all of you for listening, and until next time, I will see you on the other side. Later, cunts. <laughs>